0: Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OscastNetwork.com for details. Order like a champ at Raisin Cane's. With tailgates of hand-battered chicken fingers and cane sauce and jugs of freshly made tea and lemonade, you can guarantee victory for every game day meal. Raisin Cane's Chicken Finger, one love. Order online or on our app.
1: There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth.
0: Which Kelly are you? I photograph what my conscience asks me to. Len, they want to have him in the movie! Man Max 2 it's my kind of movie. Shut up! Shut up! Your friend can't come back, backstage. Oh, he's disabled, I'm his carer. You're blind. He's an equal opportunity employer. The kids who are sick cannot do the hip hop anymore.
1: My name is Andrew Pierce, and this is a podcast that takes a look at Australian films, culture and a little bit of everything in between. This podcast is recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and a pair of respects of the elders past, present and emerging. On this particular episode I am catching up with Josephine Croft who has made a short film called Grounded about a woman who wakes up in an airplane and there is nobody else in there. And there is a slight possibility there there might be somebody else in there with her that shouldn't be there it's a little bit of a horror a little bit of a thriller and it's really really good it's currently on the search for the the festival run at the moment so being submitted into festivals so keep an eye out for it but if you're interested in finding out about this particular film listen ahead with this interview with josephine and yeah it's really great. Learned a lot about short film making here and learned a lot about well Josephine is an actor, as a writer, and what her vision is as a creative person in Australia going forward. Stick around for that interview right now. Well let's start um, talking about your short film. Grounded. Yeah. Because I think as you're talking about being in lockdown and it makes me feel like watching this short, I'm like, imagine for some people if they wake up in a situation like the character does where you're trapped on a plane and everybody's gone and it's kind of like what waking up in lockdown must feel like, I imagine. You know, this yeah, this, anxi- yeah. this anxiety of being like, I don't want to be in here. How do I get out of here? Um, was Obviously, this was... Um, written before all that kind of stuff, but it was this, you know, that anxiety of being trapped a major a propulsion for this kind of uh, this story.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd love to say it was, but it was kind of just a coincidence in a way, do you know what I mean? Um, because yeah, I, I wrote it in sort of mid 2019 and then, and it was, it was, it was so funny. Cause it was like, when it came to, um, we wanted a film in April, 2020 and then obviously we went into lockdown and in, in March and then I just felt so frustrated because um the whole time we were the whole time we were in lockdown there were all of these airplanes sitting around doing nothing all grounded and we couldn't get on and film one And it was just like this is the perfect time to film a short film on an airplane and we can't get anywhere and then um yeah and it was sort of yeah, and when when we eventually got on the airplane, it does. It, you, it, there's so there's so many parallels with um, with lockdown and feeling trapped and and you know a metaphorical trapped as well as like mm-hmm. a physical trap because you're actually trapped in your own home. And then um, since then, we've also been trying to develop the feature film as well. And any, any anything horror wise, I think just really kind of um, runs parallel with with COVID and lockdown because so many people are fearful and so many people, there's so much anxiety about, you know, whatever it is, whether it's, like, getting COVID or not getting COVID or Mm. the conspiracy theories about, you know, the government's putting 5G in us or, do you know what I mean? Like, there's just so much fear and anxiety about everything. And, like, this, that's what this plays off is the anxiety um, of, and, you know, I decided long before we filmed that she was a highly anxious person anyway and then putting her in that situation so yeah yeah sort of um it wasn't necessarily inspired but it kind of was like was one of those happy coincidences if you know what I mean
1: yeah yeah so where did the idea come from as well. I understand hus- a true story in a way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So my husband sent me, my husband is obsessed with um, anything dark and weird. And he made <laughs> us, uh, he's like, you've, you've made a horror film. We need to watch more horror. So we watched The Conjuring on the weekend. Um, but uh, he sent me this article about um, a woman who'd been trapped on a plane in America. Um, she'd fallen asleep on the plane and they obviously hadn't, I don't really know how it happened, but they obviously hadn't checked the plane properly when they got off. And then, yeah, she woke up by herself. Um, but she managed to call someone and call security or whatever. And they came and got her, but I think she was still on there for a little while. Um, and I was like, Oh, I just, that that feeling of being alone on a plane kind of really played with me because no, it's never happened to me before. Like, I guess, unless you're a pilot or unless you're a um, air steward, then you wouldn't know that feeling of being alone on an airplane. I was kind of like, you know, it's a confined space it would work really well for a short film. And I kind of like, you know, thought about the idea for a while. And then I was like, it, it, I feel like it needed to have a little bit more of an element to it. And so that was when it was like, what if there was something stuck on board with her? And then my husband is really good, even though my husband is a scientist, but he's super creative. And so I often, I sit down with him. and I'm like, right, we're going to, we're going to nut this idea out and we kind of brainstorm with each other until we get to something good. And um, yeah, that's how we came up with yeah.
1: that yeah it's it's really effective and certainly plays on the claustrophobia of it quite well uh, there's something i mean it's been a long time since I've been on a plane uh, and for a lot of people mm-hmm. it's been a long time so this this claustrophobic feeling of something that's familiar but has now grown to be a little bit foreign as well uh really yeah. works quite well it's it's yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing yeah. yeah. So what was the choice of – you're in it as well – what was the choice of you taking the role of the character? Was that always the decision? Did you write this for yourself?
0: Yeah, so um, so I've been an actor for years and years and years. I started acting when I was about 15 years old and sort of had quite a lot of sex – sex, <laughs> didn't have quite a lot of sex, that's not the right thing, had quite a lot of success. Um, but when I was like a teenager from about 15 to 21, I had like a few decent roles on um, TV. And then I sort of went through this period of just not really auditioning and not really getting a lot of work. Um, don't really know what it was. I don't know if there was just more availability, like more availability or maybe, maybe less availability of teenagers who could act. So I sort of was in a lesser pool and then suddenly I turned 22 and there was a huge pool of um, people who were like me kind of thing and drama school graduates and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I've had periods of thinking, yeah, this isn't working for me, why, why am I still in this industry kind of thing and thought about leaving and every time I've tried to leave the industry and go and get a real job. Um, I just would end up in the fetal position crying, I don't want I don't want And so I kind of got to this point where I was like, okay, well, I either have to find, a, I have to find a way to make it work, make it work. So I'm not going to leave it. I'm not going to, I'm too stubborn to be like, okay, well, that didn't work out. So I'll just try something else. So I was like, I just need to find a way to make it work. So I decided to run and start making my own projects. Um, And then the first idea I had was a a documentary that I made about my acrobatic cheerleading team going to the worlds in America. And then um, the second thing I produced was a short film. And then I kind of, I didn't expect to enjoy producing so much. Really, really enjoyed producing. And I think a big part of that is because as an actor, you sit around waiting for someone else to give you a job. Mm. And it's a really disempowering place to be. And, you know, when you go to industry events, I always felt like, if I met a director, there'd be that feeling of, like, this person could give me a job, be cool, be cool, be cool. And then, was, and then the minute you have that kind of anxiety, it just, it like, it just turns you into a different person and you just say stupid things. And, you've, and I think people can pick up on the vibe that you're, like, I know I'm an actor out of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then so I'd done those two projects, but I hadn't, like, I did a small role in the second short film, and, uh, but I was like, I hadn't really done anything that sort of showcased me as an actor. And I was like, it would be cool to kind of do that. Mm. Um, and then when I wrote Grounded, I didn't necessarily write it with me in mind, but I definitely thought it would be a cool story. And then I was like, I could absolutely cast myself in this, like, why, why wouldn't I kind of thing? Um, because, you know, as much as I love producing, I'm still an actor at heart. It's still, it's still, still makes me tick,
1: you know? Yeah. Well, there's a really multifaceted aspect of what you're doing. I mean, it's very, um, you know, building it and for yourself and, and working alongside a great crew of people. But, you know, as you're saying, you're doing documentary, producing, writing, acting. Is that kind of the reality nowadays for a lot of uh, actors and producers here in Australia? Because yeah. for, from my experience, at least, sorry, talking to indie people, um, you know, there is a feeling that, all right, if... Screen Australia is not going to fund it, then I can just do it myself because there is a huge crew of great people who are available to make excellent short films or feature films. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do think, um, yeah, there's so, because of, our, because of the Australian industry the way that it is, there's not a lot of budget um, and that filters down so that, you know, the lead roles are always going to go to people who are known. And then the roles beneath that, you know, casting directors only have a small budget and a small amount of time to see people. And, you know, I mean, I hear that in, in America there'll be like a two-line role and they'll audition 2,000 people for it. Yeah. In Australia you'd probably audition 10 at the most kind of thing. So it's like it's just a totally different ball game. And when you're playing with those odds, it's just so much harder to get um, – in front of casting directors or directors. Um, so I think definitely when you're, when you're emerging or you're trying to break through, I do think that one of the best ways is to make your own work. Um, I wish my one i don't have many regrets in life i'm one of those people that is like i'd rather regret something i did do rather than i didn't do but i just wish that i had started making my own work when i was 20 instead of waiting until now i think i think i spent a wasted too many years being like i don't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um and, and and one of the interesting things was like there was a little while because i feel like um it's probably like an actor insecurity but i feel like so many times um when I'd walk into a a networking night or an industry night, which was directors and producers, I'd always be a little bit embarrassed about the fact that I was an actor. Do you know what I mean? Because it was like it sort of felt like I was like, what, I was going, oh, you know, I failed as an actor, so I had to produce my own work. And then, and then I I went to um, Rachel Griffiths did a talk at Screen Australia, and she was talking about how actors actually make really amazing directors and producers and how they're like natural born storytellers and how they're really personable. And, and then after that speech and then after speaking to a few other people, I started saying like thinking, turning around and saying this is actually an asset of mine rather than something to be embarrassed about. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's certainly one of the things which I've been really impressed by um, with Rachel in particular, with Jennifer Kent, you know, these, these yeah. are actors who start off with as acting and then, transitioned over to writing or producing or directing and you know Australia's got a whole bunch of great people who have made um short films and feature films I recently just watched um Nash Edgerton's short film yeah you know and it's like I know that he's an actor and all this kind of stuff but it's great to see these varied stories come out um yeah and alongside Grandad as well and it's like you're pulling from something that a interests you, but also gives you something to work with that you're interested in working with too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that was one of a big thing for me is I didn't having grounded and starting from the moment that I came up with the idea, and going through the whole press process of of writing it, of talking to the director about it, of acting in it and producing in it, and then like you know, post producing and that kind of stuff. It's it's a very different feeling creating something of your own and seeing it through to the finish Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of the time as an actor you come in and there's been so much work that's done before you that you're completely unaware of and like even during the day you know the crew get there before you do everyone most people get there before you do you rock up and then you probably you leave most of the time you leave before everyone else does as well so you're not actually there through the whole process um and there i the the when we wrapped filming i was high for about 48 hours just <laughs> from there from the experience i mean it was just it was such a cool experience yeah and i kept one out it was like going over there i was like oh, i'll remember when this happened to try and like keep, keep the memory alive <laughs>
1: yeah I, I i want to talk about um choosing the horror genre to work with because yeah. there is a inbuilt audience not just in australia but globally with that Was that a conscious decision to choose the horror genre for this short
0: film? Um, I think it came more from the story. The story landed itself to horror. And then I did know that, you know, horror is a great place to start as far as, especially with, like, you know, horror does so well in low-budget stuff Mm. Um, and it's so sought after that there is such a great... um, Audience that that really love horror and um and support it so much. So, yeah, it wasn't. It, I didn't set out to make a horror film because of that. But I definitely, when I came up with the idea, I, d- I knew it was it would be um, great to work within the horror genre because of all of that.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's it has been really wonderful seeing. You know, Australia's got a lot of really great micro-budget Australia uh, horror features and horror shorts yeah. that are out there, and seeing the reception in America and particularly for these films has been fantastic, especially, you know, I, I try and keep track of what the reception is for a lot of Australian films because that's what I love. That's my passion and getting to see Americans being like, did you see this or something like Lake Mungo, which has grown to be such a massive international success over time. And that film costs virtually nothing. And there is just this huge audience for Australian horror. And it's, it's really wonderful to see. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to see how granted is received too. Um,
0: yeah, and I've um, I'm actually I'm studying this year uh, with um, Sue Maslin, who is the oh, producer yeah. of Yeah, Yeah, amazing producer, and David Court as well, who um, was used to be at After's and now has started his own school. Um, and yes, and so part of that, I've been looking up horror production companies, and I looked up um, Blumhouse. I did a bit of research about Blumhouse. And what I mean, the stuff that they're doing in, in horror is quite incredible. And, you know, the, the model that they've got that keeps it so low budget um, and then is able to make so much money at the box office. Mm. And I think so um, um, Sue Maslin's actually doing a feature film summit uh, soon to talk about how to make Australia, Australian film industry more successful and how to actually make money from. Australian film because it's, we just haven't quite got, got yeah, there yet. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the idea of keeping something low budget, but then still making, you know, a decent amount of, mon- of money at the box office, because there's like some crazy statistic of like the amount of people, is first time Australian directors who've never gone on to make another feature film because it was like, it was too hard. Yeah. Which is quite depressing.
1: It really is. And it's something which I've been um, investigating and writing about for a long time and just being like, you know, anticipating a lot of great Australian filmmakers who have a brilliant first film. Like if we're talking horror, for example, Sean Byrne, you know, with The Loved Ones took, you know, years yep. for his follow up to even come out. And then it took a two years for that even to get released in Australia. And it's like, yeah but he made a brilliant film to start off with. So why did it take so long? And there's so many different reasons why, but it's really frustrating, especially when you see, you know, in America, I guess, and they're very complex in different worlds. They're different places of making, obviously, you know, um, but it's just, it's easy for an indie filmmaker to make a great received film, both box office or critically acclaimed, and then just roll on to the next one in America. Whereas here, it's like, great you yeah. made a fantastic film see ya now what we'll... yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's so it's great to hear somebody like sue talking about how to make them profitable because we kind of need that
0: <laughs> yeah no absolutely you know we, we absolutely do
1: we do so many great films here and i just we've got so much untapped talent that i i'm really excited to see where people go from but we need the the industry to foster and, and nurture it too
0: yeah. yeah, and I think there's this, like, one of the things that Sue talks about is that there's this, um, there's this stigma that people don't like Australian cinema, mm. and it's not true. Like, people yeah. actually love Australian cinema. Um, sorry, I hope my husband's going to get that. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that proved it was that, um, you know, while there was a, uh, while there was a loss of um, USA films at the box office, a whole bunch of Australian films do, did really well. Like The Dry, did exceedingly mm. well, and it, and so it's like okay, so Australian cinema does can do really well when they're not competing with the American box office, and that's not necessarily to say that the American bo- the American films are better, but it's just that Australian films don't have the um, ability to market themselves in the same way, so they always get overshadowed by that and those American films. And so if we can come to a place of like. I mean, the stuff that she's talking about is um, exhibitors having, a, like, s- s- specific um, cinemas to play Australian-only films, or oh. have like a time of the week, or or, and also like have a say. Like at, at the moment, exhibitors don't have any say on what gets commissioned. Um, what if they had a say on what was commissioned, and and they would like say yes to much more because they know their audiences really well. They know their who what. What, who comes to see what films and when they come to see them and how long they come to see them, all that kind of stuff. And there's no, like, communication at the moment between those people, and it's quite integral.
1: Mm. It was one of the things which I found really interesting when Clayton Jacobson did um, Brothers Nest, and that came out. And the marketing and the distribution of that was basically him going to cinemas and saying, here have the film you put it on as long as you want and I take this amount of money from the first 2 weeks and then after that everything that you know gets made from the film comes back to the cinema itself and so it puts the onus on the cinema too to be like all right you're going to get a bit of a financial kick back from uh yeah. supporting Australian films and there was an audience yeah. for that film it was a great film but Yeah that kind of risky marketing and risky distribution is maybe what we need going forward. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, it's hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think, yeah, it's, I mean, something's got to change. It's, you know, that thing of like what, stupid's the definition of doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Um, we definitely have to, we have to change something. And it's like, you know, I don't think, I don't think simmer is dead in any way, shape or form, no. but I do think that we have to change the way we do it. I mean, my local cinema is Como Cinema and it's very much an independent cinema. But you, see so you're not, you're never going to see the latest Marvel film there. But it's a really busy cinema and people go there. The cinema is quite small. They're like maybe 70 seats per cinema. Um, I think a few of them are bigger than that. But you go there and you have a glass of wine and you mm. have a night out and it's fancy and they've got like, you know, fancy chairs to sit on and the cinema seats are really comfy and all that kind of stuff. Um, so. I mean, that's very much the way that I want to enjoy cinema. I want to go and have a night out and and feel like it's, like, special going and seeing something rather than just sitting at home and watching whatever movie you want to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's what I like about Luna, my my local cinema that I go to pretty much every week. (laughs) It's like they have cheese boards. You can get a bottle of wine and all this kind of stuff. And it's it's an event, you know. It makes it nice. And there is an audience for all these different sorts of films, whether it's Australian or European films, there's a huge audience for them. So, yeah, yeah. I think one of the things which I guess as a pie in the sky kind of idea, one of the things that I would love to see certainly is that, um, you know, I cover short films as much as I can and, and talk to filmmakers like yourself about their short films. And then one of the enduring questions that I get from readers or listeners is, well, how do I see this short film? And I'm like, well, you can either go to a festival where it's screening or wait until it ends up on YouTube or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I really wish that small independent cinemas would embrace short films and yeah. I know it would take a cut into their advertising budget, but, you know, I think of like Pixar films and they always have an animated short before them. Yes, and it's like, that's and always do. one of the most exciting things.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right.
1: Put an Australian short in front of there,
0: you know, we yeah, do yeah. so many great things. <laughs> that's so true. Actually, I've never really thought about that. Yeah,
1: it's so true. You know, a film like Grounded, which obviously you're going through the festival submission process right now, so that's yeah, that's a, a you know, a whole process in itself and an exciting one. Um, yeah. But I want to be able to point to people and go, "Yeah, check this out," and things like that. Yeah. And it's um, yeah. I'd like to be able to say as well, because this seems like I watch this at home on my screen. I've got a, I'm fortunate enough to have a large screen at home because I watch a mm. lot of films and stuff, but not everybody is. And I want to be able to say, go and watch this, you know, for example, The Dry is showing and Granddad's going to be playing before it. Make sure you watch that too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. These are dream things, but <laughs> I just, yeah,
0: uh, no, you know, it's clever though. Yeah.
1: There's a there is a lot of passion, as you're saying. There's a lot of passion for Australian film. There is a lot of love, and that the fallacy yeah. that people Australians don't like Australian film is wrong. Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. So with that yeah. in mind, for you going forward, you've done this short. What's your next step process? Is it translating this into a feature film, as you're saying before?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So at the moment, we're applying um, to get it put made into a, a feature film. Um, so using it as a proof of concept for a feature film. It actually wasn't originally why I made it. I just wanted to make a short. And then I kind of, um, I had a dream one night of the short extending or nightmare sort of of the short extending. And I was like, oh, because <laughs> there was a while that I was, <laughs> there was a while that I was like, it's it all takes place on the plane. Like, how do you make that into the feature? And then I had, yeah, this, this nightmare. And I was like, oh, my God, we can make it into a feature. Um, and then I contacted... Well, I just happened to—I was—I was, I was um, on the Australians in a Film Zoom, and there was a few people, and you know, a whole bunch of writers. And I wrote in the chat box like, "Is anyone um, a horror writer?" And this, and a few people contacted, uh, said, "Yeah, I am. I am." But there was this one girl who um, was quite keen, and she was like, "Give me your email address. I'll email you." And I've, there's this—I just think there's something about keenness that means that people work really hard because, but um, my Dana. Uh, she was i put a call out for social media and she was one of the first people to be like um, this is my details can we meet for coffee tomorrow and then she was like she was just so on the ball and i she's been the most amazing person to work with ever since so I'm like I'm really I feel like I'm onto syn- on something with this like when people are that keen I just feel like they um, they put a bit more effort into the into what they're doing and they're more passionate about what they're doing and so they generally end up doing a really good job yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, and so I contacted this writer, and she I sort of showed it. We hadn't filmed at that point, or well, maybe maybe we had filmed, but we hadn't um, we hadn't edited. It. So I showed her the script, um, and and sort of spoke to her about my ideas of what had happened in the dream. But then I was like, but feel free to you know do whatever you mm-hmm. where, take the story wherever you want to take it. And um, so she's she had, has taken it off in a in a different direction. Um, but yeah, I, it wouldn't have um, it wouldn't have turned into a feature film had it not been for that dream. Um, well, I can't I, don't, I can't remember what the original question is now. I've got no, it. no, no that
1: that's that's good. Like because when I'm watching it, I'm like it, it ends in a moment where I'm like I, I need to see where this continues going. So it's exciting to see that you've got something in the progress and in, in process. And and I'm excited to see what you do with it too. Whether um, you know. It's just writing, producing, acting, whatever. It's it's exciting to see this kind of work coming out. Um, I want to talk about your work with director as well because I think that, you know, overall the, the direction is, is really, really good. So how did you go about, with the script and yourself there as a producer and a writer and the actor, how did you go about casting a director for this particular film?
0: Um, so I actually sent it, um, I'd, I'd worked on this, short um called karma police which was um really quirky little great short with a director called greta um i can't my her last name has escaped me at the moment and um i wanted to work with her again because i thought she was she was so good at stylizing that kind of stuff um but i knew this wasn't really within her her genre and stuff Um, but anyway i emailed her and i was like let me know what you think and she was like, listen, it's not really what I do, but I've got a friend who's really, really great with this kind of stuff. Um, and so she sent it to him, which was Jesse. and um, and then he emailed me and I was like, he was like, oh, I love the script, let's meet for coffee. And then um, he had actually helped Greta out on the Karma Police um, film that we did. And so I like vaguely remembered him, but we had a chat and um, we sort of got along really well. Um, and then he had like a suggestion for the, I can't remember what the original ending was um, but the ending was slightly different and he suggested the new ending and I remember being like, ooh, I quite like that. <laughs> um, and then I think just there and then we were like, cool, let's, let's work together. Um, and I'd seen some of his stuff. He's a, he was a VCA grad and he now works at um, Cummings and Partners um, doing advertising. So, you know, he's constantly working. Um, constantly sort of honing his craft which you know I think I'm like if I my advice these days for anyone trying to break into the world is like go and do advertising because it's just so it's such Mm. hardcore work and you just learn to be so um, streamlined with your process and you have constantly have to come up with ideas and all that kind of stuff so yeah and also you get to earn a wage yeah. and then you've also built all of these um, crew around you that lo- enjoy working with you. And then so when you go off to make your own film, they're like, yeah, sure, come on board because, like, you know, they they feel like they've gone on the journey with you. Um, mm. I think it's a little bit different when you don't know someone and you're like, can you come on, work on my project and I'm going to pay you a couple hundred bucks kind of thing. I think it's very different. Um, so, yeah, it kind of came out it was, it was basically Greta's recommendation. And then I really liked him. And, um, we, uh, we have a very similar sense of humor and we often spent hours. I'm pretty sure like we know each other's full life history in the (laughs) few, few, few years that we've known each other. (laughs) Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, I think this is a really wonderful short and, you know, you and the whole team have created something really wonderful. Um, as I was saying, you know, you're going through the whole festival submission process. How is that going for you guys as well? Is that a bit nerve wracking at times?
0: <laughs> yeah. So one of the first, um, one of the first festivals that we entered was rain dance and I kind of got my heart a bit stuck on rain dance. or was set on rain dance. I really wanted to get into that. Um, and uh, yeah, I just found out this week that we didn't get in. <laughs> and then I was like, I had this moment of being like, you know, actors think about rejection all of the time. It's like when everyone talks about acting, they're like, oh, the rejection, the rejection. And then it's like, I don't know, there's plenty of rejection in the industry outside of acting. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I've discovered a new level of rejection uh, when you've made a complete product and then people are like, yeah, no. Um yeah so we like you know we've got into a few a few festivals and we've got a few nominations, which has been good. add an award for um our composer um but yeah we've had we've had a few a few uh rejections so far um and yeah it's it's you kind of like you do go through that thing of like, oh okay, maybe it's not as good as I thought it was, and then you have to be like, okay, you know maybe maybe it's fine and maybe it just didn't work for that program, and maybe someone else was gonna love it and you know, and I have, had, I have had mixed reactions from it. You know, one person will be like, oh, my God, you've absolutely blown this out of the water. And then someone else will be like, oh, yeah, it's good, but it's not amazing kind of thing. And, it, like, you just have to remember that everyone's got an opinion and not everyone is going to love it. And that's, like, just part of filmmaking. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Well, so we're still waiting we on a whole bunch of um, yeah. festival nominations, but uh, you do have to have a little bit of a thick skin with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hope the rest of it goes well. And, you know, the, the, um, submissions, obviously there are Australian festivals that are coming up as well. So fingers crossed yeah. for them too. Um, yeah. with that, that kind of the building a thick skin kind of thing, do you have any suggestions for emerging artists who, uh, you know, getting into the industry as to how to deal with that? Cause I think one of the things that we often forget about is the mental health side of things where um, you know we all say go and write a script go and make this film go and do that and then the rejection or the you know the silence that sometimes comes from um, the submission process or the working or casting or whatever um, it can be a little bit difficult so do you have any suggestions for people going through that kind of experience?
0: Yeah I think one of the main things is just to remember that it's not personal like I think when we when we have a rejection, we so often think well it's like, well, they obviously, you know, whether whether it's an actor or a filmmaker, director, whether it's about a film or whatever, we always go, oh, I must be crap or my or my project must be crap. And they've like, you know, you, you always think the worst case scenario, they've obviously seen it and they're like, oh, this is this is terrible. Get that thing away from me. And then in actual reality, when it comes to the programmers, it might have, I mean it could be to do with your that, that your film isn't good enough or that your audition isn't good enough, whatever it is. But there's so many other factors that go into it as well and sometimes it's that they've picked a film that's very similar to yours and so they can't program that with it or they've picked a certain theme and it doesn't fit in or whatever it is. Like there's so many factors and you just have to remember that, you know, it's not it's not a personal attack mm. on you and that it's just it's just part of the industry. And then and then I think is like, you know, eventually someone will will love it. And if they don't love it, then you just have to take it as though, okay, well this was a learning experience. I got the first one out of the way. I can't expect the first one to be perfect and I'll just keep on honing my craft and, and get better. But yeah, I do think there's a lot of there's a lot of power in, in realizing that it's not a personal attack on you and and, and who you are and what you've made.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great um, suggestion there and certainly a great way to, to kind of wrap up our, our discussion. We've had a really great discussion that's yeah. um, gone everywhere, which is exciting. Yeah, I tend to, I mean, when I sit down to do these interviews, I don't tend to know where they're going to go and it's sure. always enjoyable to see uh, what kind of things we discuss because yeah. I find filmmaking, I mean, I... I'm on the publicity side of things, I'm on the media side of things, so it's a little bit easier for me, um, but I find the process of it so fascinating and engaging, and mm-hmm. certainly if I can do what I can to help promote uh, Australian films and Australian filmmakers, then I'm going to do that, and I'm happy to get behind this film because I think it's really good, so congratulations to you and the team.
0: Thank you so much, it's been so lovely to chat to you, you're a great interviewer. That is Josephine
1: Croft talking about her short film, Grounded, which again, as you're listening there, is going through the festival submission process right now. If you want to find out more about what Josephine does, head over to our website, josephinecroft.com.au, and also find out more details about Grounded and the crew who helped make Grounded through tenaciousstories.net. Both of those links will be in the show notes. If you enjoyed this discussion, then head over to the website, thecurb.com.au, to listen to other interviews. There's a whole bunch of really great interviews going up over the next week, so head over there and keep your eyes on that and ears as well if you listening to the podcast versions of some of the interviews and follow us on social media the curb au both on twitter and on facebook would be fantastic if you want to go the extra step uh keeping us independent nice and independent a dollar a month head over to the patreon.com forward slash the curb AU. helps a lot you'd be surprised how much it helps all right guys thanks so much for listening we will see you on the next one take care of each other